in your life that was followed by what is your fight? You know the flirty girl type. So very zone, she was high as a kite. Kind of buzz, she was feeling all right. You know the party in your life. Swapping down and she would give me a sight. If it was her and I would give her the night. Like the dress is tight. No holes barred, she walked the edge of a night. The fast lane that would come at a price. You know the dangerous life. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Misaligned. Today I am here with Larry Morris from Ilphonics, a band from St. Louis. And before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and let Larry introduce himself so you can get a feel for who he is and what his role in the band is before we dive deeper into some more questions. So, Larry, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Um, Again, I'm from the group Ilphonics. We're a hip-hop fusion band based here in St. Louis, Missouri. I am lead vocalist slash MC. Do a little bit of everything outside of just rapping, help with booking and all that. You know how it is when you're an indie band these days and whatnot. And, you know, kind of the guy you see at the front, even though we're all equals. I'm usually the guy that they're like, hey, step up front. You know what it is. (laughs) Nice. So how did the band form and what was kind of your initial goal when you started making music yeah an abbreviated version because it's kind of lengthy and it's kind of it's not intricate but it's it's a unique story four to five members of Ilphonics, we all went to high school together and grew up in a neighborhood on the edge of the city of st louis called university city or u city u city has a little bit of accolades because it's the home of nelly and the lunatics the same lunatics we went to the same high school and um, four of us, we grew up together in U-City. We didn't necessarily stay in the exact same part of University City, but we knew each other during high school. The keyboardist and I, we are in the same grade. We've been friends since uh, sophomore year in high school. We've been trying to break into the music industry. The drummer and I, um, we're related, and we've known each other for years because of family functions and whatnot. And the bassist and the drummer, they played in jazz combo in high school. Well, if you fast forward past that time or if you fast forward up to when we started the form um i went to webster university for audio engineering in 2003 and at that time i met our guitarist kevin and at that time i was working on a project with keith the keyboardist in our band that i just spoke of and kevin was getting ready to study abroad but he said he wanted to work on a project too so when he got back from studying abroad being an audio engineer, you have access to the studio. And if you didn't have access to the studio, you have friends who did. And I had a buddy who was a little bit further along who got us some access to the studio. And the two projects kind of came together, Keith's project and Kevin's project that I was working on. And it was the beginnings of the band then. Then we kind of wanted to change the rhythm section. So I called up um, Simon, who we call Spank. And Chaz, who we call CB, and I said, "Hey, uh, could you guys lay drums and bass on this on the um, album that I'm kind of working on?" And they were like, "Absolutely." And from there, when you mix it all together, we kind of stuck together and decided that we wanted to keep moving forward. But from that point on, it became Ilphonics. It was no longer just Larry and some friends, um, you know, doing music. It was like the collective, if that makes any sense. And that was about 2006. Awesome. Well, you mentioned that the band is like a hip hop fusion kind of band. So what are some of the band's influences and what made you guys decide to kind of go blend together a bunch of different genres? You mentioned the rhythm section and everything. So I was just interested in kind of 
the band's thinking on how to incorporate all these different styles into the band? Well, just growing up in St. Louis, we're exposed to an amalgam of music. St. Louis is without question the blues hub. We have a lot of jazz influence here. You know, um, growing up in University City, University City for most of my life was a very well-known high school band because they had a lot of influence from the Southern marching bands like the Arkansas Pine Bluffs, the FAMUs, the Jackson States and whatnot, historically black colleges and whatnot. And, you know, just all those things. And plus, we love hip hop music here. I mean, all, you know, St. Louis is like borderline. We're Midwest, but we have so many different, you know, influences from the South. A lot of our family members came up from the South, you know. And so with all that together, music for us isn't one thing. It's just everything. We like, you can see somebody one day listening to Kendrick Lamar and Flip, then, you know, they're listening to, you know, um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You just never know what you may get. And so for all of us, we've we've been influenced by so many different things. But because the five different members of the group come from different backgrounds, some things kind of are more prominent. Uh, Chaz, he's been playing organ and drums all his life. He's influenced by the church, but he loves a lot of trap music. Spanky, our bass player, he's jazz, you know, but, you know, he loves a lot of rap. He listens to a lot of, you know, he was listening to a lot of Bone at one point. Um, but he, Pat Metheny, you know, me and him are both big fans of Pat Metheny. He's really into jazz, Bella and the Flectones. He, I mean, he comes from a family of singers and people who've been singing for a long time. So his R&B repertoire is incredible. He's influenced by a lot of different people. Um, Kevin Rock, you know, he's going to go see Iggy Pop in Chicago. Like, you know, and for me being an MC and an audio engineer, I was really influenced growing up. I was watching Pearl Jam, but then at the same time, listening to UGK with my cousins, you know, or when I got into high school, I got into more liberal hip hop, Wu-Tang Clan, Cannabis, you know, that type of thing. So we're all influenced. Now, when it comes to overall sound and show production, we're influenced by Earth, Wind & Fire, no doubt. We always have loved hearing stories of how when Earth, Wind & Fire put on shows, they blew everybody away. And then, you know, it's funny, Organized Noise, they're starting to get a lot of credit right now. They've been very influential in our sound, too, because we're big on outcast and that type of funk sound, you know. So it's so many different influences. But, you know, for us, if it feels right, we go with it. When, if it's blues one day, we go with it. If it's jazz, we go with it. If it's straight ahead hip hop, we go with it. So we just mix it all up all the time. Yeah, it's always awesome to see bands kind of try to do something new and blend together different music tastes from, you know, all the band members. And you mentioned the St. Louis scene a bit. I'm not totally familiar with it. I'm from Southern California. So, you know, things are a little different over here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. what are some of the local bands in the area that you're really into? And what's the overall, you know, culture like in the city as far as live performances and that thing goes? St. Louis is a very strong musical city. I mean, our influence in jazz, when you talk about Miles Davis, our influence in rock, when you talk about Chuck Berry, you talk about blues, the influence there, Albert King, it's very real. And what folks don't know about St. Louis is a lot of major acts have had at some point somebody from St. Louis on their lineup playing an instrument because it's just so heavy here. As far as acts here that are very influential and who we're really into and whatnot. Um, for me, I'm a big Cave of Swords uh, fan. They are kind of more experimental rock, but they're really 
really, really strong. On a hip hop scene, there are artists that I really, really like. I'm an Indiana Rome fan. He's somebody that's doing some major things here. Uh, Thelonious Kryptonite, even though he relocated to New Orleans, he still considers St. Louis his home base. Um, Lamar Harris, who is actually on our artist, he's a trumpet player, but he's also a DJ, but he also has a lot of bands. And I mean, he's phenomenal. Like he's the quintessential musician. He does a lot of different things. But our music scene is, is it's a thriving scene. And if you go to each member of the band, they'll probably name four or five people that they really like. You know, I know Kevin was a big fan of Old Salt Union. They're doing some major things here. Um, Joaquin Music, he just had a sold out show at a unit local university here. I mean, he does R&B. He's really, really good. But I mean, the scene here is it's a thriving scene. And I'm going to say it. St. Louis is a tough market. We actually had the opportunity to play in California. Uh, we went on a tour in California two years ago. We did fairly well. St. Louisans are very, very strong. If they don't like you, you're going to know it very fast, you know? Yeah. So you have to have chops. And, you know, we're like I said, it's one thing when you're exposed to one thing and then you get something new and it's kind of like, what is this? And, you know, but with St. Louis, there's so much exposure to everything, because even though people think this is flyover country, everybody comes through the middle to go wherever they're going, you know. So, yes, the music scene here is a thriving one, especially in our it's an area in St. Louis called um, Cherokee Street, South City. That's kind of the heart of the indie music scene right now. It's shifted over the years. At one point, it was kind of the Delmar Loop area here in St. Louis in University City, but now it's down there. But there's lots of different musical acts from experimental hip hop, experimental jazz to the traditional blues. And, you know, this is a city that has a lot of cover bands, too, because, you know, people go out and they want to hear what they know. So you just got to have chops. And, and no matter what you do, you got to be able to play. You got to bring it. Yeah. So do you have a favorite venue that you guys like to play in St. Louis? Or are you kind of down for whatever venues you can get into and put on a show at? Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, there's, there's favorites. I enjoy playing at the pageant. We've played there year. We played there years ago. It's it's probably it's one of the top ten venues in the world. They say it's been reports written about it. It's fun to play there. Twenty seven twenty on Cherokee Street. That's always a good time. I enjoy playing there. Let's see where else. Old Rock House can be cool sometimes. So that's those are venues that I. I like to play, but for the most part, we're not one of those bands that's like we have to play in a particular area. If you give us a stage and give us the opportunity, we're going to make it work, you know? Yeah. And let's go ahead and dive into your guys' new release, Gone with the Trends. I was just listening to it before we recorded. Mm -hmm. It's a great album. Thank you. What was the recording process like for that? Well, the recording process for Gone with the Trends is was a little different than previous ones. Um, some of those songs we had already written years ago, but we didn't really do anything with them. They were kind of just floaters. And I was like, let me think about it. I'm going to get back to it on the lyrics and whatnot. But I think what makes Gone with the Trends stand out is this is our first album where we kind of went in and we said, we're going to stick to our formula. We're not going to really care too much about what the world is thinking and the world is saying. We're going to do what works for us because it's, it's kept us relevant in our area, in our region for 10 years. That was a, a primary focus. We really wanted to show with this album our ability to really get people to be involved with it so if you notice with the album there's a lot of different hooks that if you were to hear them live you might want to sing along with them like the what do you like you know and the brown frequency to fight back you know that type of thing and you know just really 
giving a message. You know, I think right now conscious rap is, I don't want to say that it's on a rise, but it's definitely something that's prevalent. And there's different levels of consciousness. And the conscious element that we wanted to have with this album is that, you know, go live life enjoy things, be a part of the world around you. Don't get so caught up on the trends, you know, that are online or in the media and whatnot. Follow you and do you. And in the end, you'll find your biggest happiness, regardless if it's, you know, in your love life or regardless if it's your dating or, you know, your day-to-day process. So that's kind of, that's what made this album really different is that we had a thing from the beginning and we worked that thing completely, even down to the way we ordered that album. Like we really wanted it to go and flow a certain way. Yeah. And going off of that for the writing process, do you guys tend to get together and write songs together? Or do you each kind of bring different pieces of songs and then start to work on them together? Well, yeah, I mean, we go through the process. Individuals in a band will have ideas. We all do. We'll bring them to practice and we'll listen to the idea. And if, you know, we all like it, it becomes the property of the band. So that's been the philosophy for years. If you bring something to practice and we all like it, you have to accept we're going to all put our hands on it, you know. Right. And then from there, we start to mold the song. I start thinking of lyrics. Or sometimes, you know, it's funny because people will be like, so you write all these lyrics. Sometimes the concepts are not actually mine. I'll be with another band member and they'll say like, okay, I'll give you a great example, 96 to 99. Chaz, CB, our drummer, and Keith, our keyboardist, they were like, hey, man, we need to talk about like when we were growing up, man, like how rap music was and whatnot. And I'm like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. Give me a couple of days to kind of, you know, get nostalgic, fill it out and whatnot. And, you know, bring I'll bring lyrics back and we'll work on hooks together. We, we Most of this album, we worked on the hooks together. But I'll bring stuff back or I'll say, you know what, let's go a different direction because they respect the fact that I'm pretty much a a, a lyricist. That's what I do. And so we'll work with it. And then when we get something that we kind of can feel, we'll play it out. And then we have those magic moments when we know that it's right. And then from there, we kind of tweak it and then we put it into the repertoire, you know. So we it's it's, it's an all hands on process. It's not a thing where I come into practice and I'm like, make me a beat because this is what I'm going to rap on. It's really a whole band from the MC to the bass player. We are all, and I mean, these guys, some of these guys are classically trained in music and they have phenomenal ears, especially our, our, our bassist. So, you know, they understand certain things and we, we put that in effect when we're writing, you know, so everybody is involved in the process, especially with that album. But every now and then you'll get songs that somebody will take the lead. Like the Brown Frequency was kind of on a whim. I had this idea and I was like, okay, everybody just follow what I'm trying to do. And Chaz helped me really make that happen. And then like songs like Liquid Spaceships that are on the album, we had that song for years. Spank, that bass line that you hear on the song is a practice, is for Spank to practice to keep his chops up. I thought it was nice. And so I said, let me write something to that that's going to be cool. And then when I spit the lyrics to them, they were like, you know what? That's actually kind of dope. Let's roll with it. So it varies. But for the most part, it's all hands on. Nice. And you being an audio engineer, Do you guys have like a home studio that you record everything at or did you guys go somewhere specific to record this album and have it mixed and mastered? Well, I mean, yeah, now we do. I mean, when we first started, we recorded at Webster University 
And we literally did that album in four days. And I did 16 songs, all vocals in one day. I would never do that again. <laughs> That's what we had. Then we did two EPs that we kind of self-recorded. We had a, a buddy who used to be a part of the band, Tom. He kind of helped engineer and mix it. So that worked out really good. Before our self-titled album, which came out two years ago, this album, we've been working out of a, a studio here in St. Louis called Smith Lee Productions with Justin L. Fisher. Justin was a audio student at Webster. He's a little older than us, but he was a, a student at Webster, very tech savvy, like knows computers, knows audio. He was in bands and whatnot. And he became a good friend of mine um, as I was graduating and whatnot. And he's a, he's the head engineer over at Smith Lee Productions. It's in Maplewood. It's the oldest studio currently in St. Louis. A lot of the older studios like Technosonic and whatnot, they no longer exist. And it's kind of become our studio home because Justin, he, he gets how we work. We get how Justin works. It's convenient for the band. It really works out. So the production that you're hearing, we Kevin and I being audio engineers, we can clash a lot about what we think our sound should sound like. And for me, I kind of with the band, my philosophy is hands off. Let somebody else outside of us give opinions because, you know, when you when you really do something, you can be really emotional about it. And it's just good to have that outside opinion. And Justin has been an excellent outside opinion and helped us create these albums sonically the way we want them to sound. Right. And you mentioned the band really forming, you know, mid 2000s. So being a band for about 10 years now, how do you guys think you've progressed through those two EPs, the self-titled up until this point with Gone With The Trends? Uh, we've grown a lot. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 years older, for lack of a better word. <laughs> so when I started, very young, very energetic. I just want to be seen. I want to get out there. And, you know, the industry has changed in that time, too. I mean, yeah. when we were starting, MySpace hits could have got you a record deal. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now it's a whole different world. And, you know, I think we adhere to traditional values that I think a lot of artists don't anymore. Today is content, content, content. How many songs you can put online and how much you can put out as fast as you can. And I'm going to honestly say this, I think it diminishes the quality. True, there's more to choose from and it's the, avail the availability is a beautiful thing. But for us, we come from a time where, you know, and it was starting to change when we started. It was already in the process of change and it had changed before. We just come from the idea of, you know, artists like, you know, Outkast and Jay-Z who release an album every two years. You know, it gives you time to kind of live life, experience things and grow. And I think with this album, it's the embodiment of us growing and becoming. We were boys when we started. We're men now. You know, we had the time to experience love, experience music's changes, you know, go through things socially, physically, emotionally and whatnot. And I think for people who listen to our album that really get into it, they will appreciate that. So, you know, we've just changed as artists. Plus, we've toured a lot. Um, we have never had a long tour where we were on the road for two or three weeks. But over the course of many weekends throughout a five to six year period, we've been to 10 states. So we've been to one fifth of the United States and we're still counting. We're still going. You know, we've been down to the South by Southwest. We've gotten a chance to go out to the West Coast and play in California, which was an amazing experience for us. You know, we've gotten a chance to to do things and whatnot. So our perspective on music and our perspective on the world has changed. But within all of that, um, we've 
we've been successful being honest and true to ourselves. We've hadn't, we haven't had to sell out our values and our morals as musicians and as people to be successful. And I think that's what this album represents. You can be great being yourself. It may take some time. You may not be the next internet sensation, but it'll happen. Yeah, that's definitely a great way to go about making your music and releasing it. I know based off of your content comment, you know, with Kanye West and the Life of Pablo release, it's like he basically gave us an unfinished product. And to me, it's like I'd rather have an artist have something completely finished. I don't want them tweaking it and me having to go back and re-listen to it just to try and figure out what was changed and that sort of thing. And it's like he's Kanye West. He has the resources to finish this stuff and then release it, you know? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's just one of those things today where I meet a lot of young artists who's who've been and, you know, you don't want to sound like and I've said this in a couple of interviews and uh, with folks. I don't want to sound like that guy that's like, you know, back in my day <laughs> it this way, because I mean, music changes like, you know, it was I was in a conversation the other day with someone who was like, future isn't hip hop. And I'm like, why is future not hip hop? You know, it's a sub genre of hip hop for sure, because, you know, hip hop is one of those those genres of music where everybody seems to want to just bunch everything under hip hop. And I'm like, we don't do that with rock and roll and rock and roll. There's classic rock, there's ska, there's alternative. There's so many different subgenres. But then when you hear a type of rapper you don't like, you just, oh, that's just how hip hop is. That's not true. You know, but I was talking to a younger artist and I hear them just talking and I'm like, you know what, this stuff takes time, man. Like, don't let the world make you think that anything happens, everything happens overnight. Sometimes it does, but most of the times when things happen quickly and overnight, you don't have time to prepare for it and it doesn't last that long, you know? So be okay to go through the struggle and be okay with finding yourself because once you find yourself and you master you and people identify with that, what greater feeling it it is to do what you love, being who you are, you know? So for sure. Yeah, and I feel like everyone is so used to trying to put labels on things and people as well. But to me, with the whole genre and subgenre thing, if I like music, I don't care what the genre or subgenre is or what someone else is trying to call it and everything. It's like you can like one style of hip hop and not like a different style of hip hop. It's not, you know, the end of the world, it's just your personal preference. Exactly. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I find that, you know, you, you've listened to the album. I'm not really one that curses a lot on albums and I'm not really that type of person, but I mean, I enjoy trap and ratchet, whatever, just as much as the next person. I mean, I have a subwoofer in my car. I'm not always running around bumping some Wu-Tang Clan. You right. know? That's the reality, but that's, but that's, that's human nature. We all have our days, you know, some days we're, we're upbeat, other days we're down and people have the right to listen to whatever they choose based on what they feel. I don't think there's a wrong or right. I mean, we can get into the intricacies of how music affects, you know, children and all that. And I I get all that. But at the end of the day, when it comes to listening and like what you like, and you know what, it's not for you to explain why you like what you like. You love what you love, you know, and that's what it's all about. But as artists, it's it's our job to find ourselves and be the best who we can be. And just don't get too concerned about numbers and what everybody else thinks you should be, because in the end, you have to make music that you like, you know? Yeah. And I know I've been recently having some conversations with people about 
you know, white music critics. I wouldn't call myself necessarily a music critic, but I do have my website, Hi-Fi Noise, where I do post about music I enjoy. But we've kind of been discussing this idea of white music critics writing about hip-hop albums. And because, you know, your group is a mix of races, I thought this would be a great question to ask you as a hip hop fusion kind of band. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on, you know, who covers hip hop music and that sort of thing? I mean, the biggest thing I say is that if you're a white and you're critiquing hip hop, just respect and understand the culture. Right. You know, I've seen white critics talk about this advocate violence and such and such but do you understand the socioeconomic backgrounds that some of these rappers are coming from now some of them are made up fictional and we know that they're they're full of shit we we, (laughs) we can call that right but you know every now and then you get some genuine rappers who are really speaking real to their life and who are you to tell them that because it's real to their life that that's not hip-hop it may not be real for you you know what i mean but I can't get on the record and speak about, and I'm not saying all white people are wealthy because, I mean, we all we all struggle in very much of that mind state. But I can't speak about what it is to be on a yacht in a Mediterranean Sea and, you know what I mean, eating caviar. I can't really critique that lifestyle. I've never been there. I've never done that, you know. Right. It's not something that I've experienced. I can give my perspective from the outside looking in, but at the end of the day, I think there's been a period of time where people thought that folks are like saying, you know, white people can't be a part of hip hop. That's not true. Some of the best people in hip hop are white. Eminem's probably the best MC right now. Like when it comes to just flat out technicality skills and whatnot, he's really he's a really great MC. He's a part of hip hop and a lot of people love Eminem. But Eminem respects the culture. You see what I'm saying? Right. And what you notice what you notice is it becomes a problem when individuals who are involved in hip hop culture, because we got to remember hip hop comes from the slums. It's the CNN for the streets. It comes from environments where people weren't allowed to get into the discotheques and weren't allowed to be a part of the upper class mobility when it comes to music or social life. So these kids were brilliant and figured out ways to entertain themselves. And, you know, put a message behind it and have a good time, you know, but you just got to respect the culture. So, you know, if you respect the culture and you know the history and I mean, not just rap history, understand the history that goes along with it. Why was N.W.A.'s Fuck the Police significant? Do you understand the history of L.A.? Do you understand the police brutality that was taking place in places like Rocks where they they were rioting in 60s, 65 and whatnot? Then it gives you context as to why certain artists say the things that they say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I said, as long as you understand the culture and you understand the history, Feel free to critique, but when you're just the individuals that's sitting behind a computer listening to albums like Blad Man, 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 you don't understand these artists. Or and I, I, to, to divert a little bit, I know I'm kind of long-winded on this. It's all right. <laughs> it's one of those things I also feel like as journalists, I'm a communications major. I'm actually almost done with my master's degree in it. With with journalists, it's your responsibility to know what you're reporting on and really pay attention to what you're speaking on. I find more and more that I'm seeing more people write articles that it doesn't really seem like they've become the music and listen to the music. It's like it's been dropped on their lap, they skim through it, and they just throw up something. Do your work. Right. You know, 
do your job, you know. And if you do your job and at the end you can form an opinion and say, I listen to this thoroughly. I get parts of it. It's not my thing. But you take a listen. I'm cool with it. That's all right. But if you're just getting albums and you're just one after another, yeah, this is all right. And, and just throwing up something to get paid, you're not really doing your job. Work for you. Work. Do your job. You know, so that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely very well said. And I agree. I mean, I've been a fan for a fan of hip hop for quite some time now. Like, you know, you go back to Sugar Hill Gang and those kind of groups when LL Cool J was one of the bigger rappers in the scene. And it's like they don't always all rap about the same thing. So you have people experiencing different things and on different levels. And I think that's what I find really interesting about hip hop music. You know, some people might say, oh, they're just rapping about the same things, all of them and yada, yada. But like you mentioned Eminem, he came from Detroit and, you know, a poor part of town. So it's a struggle that he understands. And that's why I think he did so well in the hip hop scene. And, you know, people are kind of getting on Macklemore's case. And it's like, he doesn't have to rap about struggles or something just to be successful. I mean, his music he used to have struggles and he wrote about those. And now that that is kind of past, it's like he's writing about his current experiences. And I think that's really great to see, especially, you know, as rap artists or hip hop artists become more successful and they don't have necessarily the same struggles that they used to. So it's always good to, like you said, go back learn the history, understand why they're saying the things they're saying in their songs, especially with, you know, NWA, Public Enemy, and those groups. And then you can kind of compare or critique as you see fit. But personally, while I might enjoy the music, if it's something I don't personally understand, I can at least definitely respect where they're coming from and understand why they're coming from that perspective. Right, right. And I mean, for me, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, with Macklemore, I've listened to a lot of his music. It is cool to me. I think he's he's a great artist. Does this some is this stuff that necessarily always resonates with me? No, but as an artist, I understand that we change as people. And I think sometimes people just get caught up in this, and I especially see it with artists. I'm from St. Louis, and as you know. You know, we get a bad stigma when it comes to the media. Like, it's just so absolutely dangerous here, which is total bullshit. And I want to put that out there to your listeners. You can come to St. Louis, have a good time. It's cool. It's not as crazy as they make it. It's like L.A. or any other city that's good in the bad part. Right. But being from a city like St. Louis, there's a toughness to it and whatnot. And you meet a lot of MCs or a lot of rappers who come from that background who get on because of that and they don't know how to separate themselves once they get successful from that life. You see what I mean? Yeah. And the consequences can be drastic. I was looking at, I like to look at Vlad TV and um, he has a lot of great interviews and MC8 was talking about, you know, how MCs, you know, once they get to a certain point, you know, trying to stay official and whatnot and how, like I said, it can have repercussions and whatnot. And, and, um, and it's just one of those things where when artists get to a certain level and whatnot, I think fans expect a realness from them. You know, you used to give me that, sh- you know, that street stuff, or if you rapped about, you know, fishing, 
you know, hey, that's what I want to hear. Talk yeah. about that. That's what I want to get. Well, we're human beings. Were you the same person that you are now six years ago? In some ways, sure. But in many ways, you've changed, right. you know, and our albums are a reflection of our growth. There's a reflection of our ability to think and see things differently. It's our, a reflection of our lives and whatnot. And if you are a true fan, you respect the artistry of that. You respect that people change and whatnot. You know, the Pink Floyd of the 60s is not the Pink Floyd that everybody knows mainstream. Right. Most people know Dark Side of the Moon from 73 on out. That's the Pink Floyd they know. But, you know, when Sid Barrett was still in the group, they were much more psychedelic. It was a whole different, you know, it was a whole different Pink Floyd. But fans have always supported them because of that growth, you know. And I just think that's something that listeners have to do is, you know, understand that some songs aren't for you. Yeah. <laughs> some things aren't for you. But that, you know, let these artists grow. They have the right to grow and whatnot. And for the artists who choose to stay in a certain lane, if it's making you unhappy and you can't be what you're what you really want to be, is it worth it? And if you are happy doing it, I guess that's your thing, you know? Yeah, and we don't only see this in the music industry. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, actors, athletes and just, you know, celebrities in general who have kind of made a name for themselves out of nothing. And right. we still see, you know, the problems that the NFL has with domestic abuse and NBA players being arrested for this or whatever it is at the time. And a lot of people are like, well, all these guys have millions of dollars. Why are they resorting to, you know, like their old ways, basically? And I think for some people, it's just hard to understand that not necessarily money doesn't necessarily get you out of your old life you know sometimes it just yeah. amplifies it yeah yeah you know somebody who was go who like to shop and spend lots of money on clothes with no money is only go do the same thing <laughs> right when they have a budget to do it and i mean people change but the thing that i say is when we look at our artists and i mean i have artists that i'm critical of i'm not perfect there's certain artists that i will, will remain nameless that i'm like you need to really chill out but they're people at the end of the day, we make them larger than life. These people breathe, they poop, they get <laughs> hungry, they hurt, they're happy just like you and I and whatnot, you know? So you have to understand it. But I also feel like as an artist, and I'm not in a spotlight yet, or I don't know if I will ever get to that point, you have to be, you know, aware of the spotlight that follows you is this a smart decision for me to do right now knowing that the paparazzi or that cameras or you know critics are going to have something to say to me you know it's unfair necessary it's not always fair because you're in that spotlight to have to deal with those issues but the the, the flip side is you're living a life that a lot of people will never see you know so you know, it's just a balance. Everything's about balance and whatnot. So, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, when it amplifies to the point of, you know, abuse or assault and that sort of thing, it's like you kind of have to detach yourself from who the person is and how famous they are and kind of learn to handle those situations properly. We see a lot of times, you know, in the music industry, 
in NFL, NBA, that sort of thing, a lot of guys can get away with a lot of things just because, you know, of the name on the back of their jersey or, you know, an album they released or something like that. And I think that's definitely a place that the music industry and athletics can definitely improve upon. And it's always great to see, you know, artists like you guys getting a positive message out with your music and that sort of thing. Well, it's all about what we support, you know, and I think that we get angry at the people, but are you, ang- you know, are you angry at yourself when you go out and you consistently support that type of thing? You know, I say that if you don't want certain elements to impact the world, you have to do a better job of not, you know, supporting it financially. On top of that, you know, like I said, I'm a communications major and this is a lot of what we study. You know, news gets to us so fast, right? so quickly. Like it, it happens at a drop and we know about it. And what has happened in this day and age, to kind of tie back up with Gone with the Trans too, is that we react without knowing the whole story. Yeah. You know, all we know is what they've reported. This is what it is and this is what we think and whatnot. And sometimes in a world where we're saturated by news and information so quickly, you have to give yourself a minute to read things, absorb things, and figure things out. And I know that's difficult for people to do because people are like, I don't have any time. But to really to really be proficient or to really understand something, you have to allow yourself some time to get different angles and views. And then from there, you can form an opinion on what's going on and whatnot. I see it happen all the time, you know. But like you said, you know, it's some of us out here that are trying to put out the a good message. And, you know, we're not perfect. You know, we right. all have our flaws. and whatnot. But for the most part with the music, you know, I just want people to see that it's cool to be yourself. That's one thing about Lamar so much is that he's not a gangster from Compton. He's from Compton. He knows gangsters. He grew up with them. But he talks about his struggle of trying to be a good kid in a mad place, right. you know. And I love artists that do that now because we need more young individuals to see that you can be from a neighborhood, you can be from an area and be who you are and not fulfill a certain lifestyle. I grew up and I had people around me that were gangsters that did all that stuff, but that wasn't me. And what you will find is that they will respect you more and people will respect you more for you staying true to you than trying to be something that you're not, or as the younger folks say, staying in your lane, you know? I don't jump lanes. I don't do that. I stay in mine. And I, I, I'm good at what I do. I follow my heart. And, you know, not everybody's going to like you, but that's fine. Life goes on, you know? Right. And to bring it back to Gone with the Trends a little more here, we're recording this just before, you know, the album's going to come out. But what has the response been like to the singles you've released so far? We talk about, you know, having content right at your fingertips. So how did you guys kind of go about promoting the singles and how was that received? Well, I mean, we've been putting it out, pushing it to different media outlets and whatnot. And it's funny because a lot of people have been seeing it getting picked up and they're like, oh, man, how y'all pay for all that? I'm like, no, people listen to the music and they determine if they want to talk about it. You know, me sitting here with you is because, you know, you listen to it and you like, you know, and so that's been um, the biggest thing is that people are listening to it and it's been beautiful because it's diverse audiences that are listening to it and they're really giving strong feedback. I think what's been really cool is that people are saying that we are a hip hop band that's a different direction. Um, you know, 
in a hip hop live hip hop world, the king of the roots are the roots. They are the gods. Like <laughs> they earned it. They've deserved it. They are amazing. But as a band, we've always said to ourselves, what the roots have done has already been done. And, you know, we respect what they do. We love what they do. They're amazing. How can we make our identity as a live hip hop band? You know, how can we create what's real to us? And I think the biggest thing is that you all, when you all like Ill Phonics or you all are enjoying these singles and whatnot, you're enjoying what St. Louis music is, if that makes any sense, you know. It's that diversity and whatnot. But the reception of What Do You Like has been really, really good. 96 to 99s plays on people's heart chords because, you know, and the age group that I'm in, a lot of people are reflecting back to that period of time. Like, yeah, man, it was something when Tupac and Biggie was alive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's really doing that. And I think we're just really we're really triggering the emotions of people because I think folks today think everybody wants to just hear digital artificial music. People love live music. Yeah. When you, it's like giving ice cream to a baby or something, you know, even young folks, when they hear a live band, it changes something about their fabric when it comes to music, you know? And so to be able to do hip hop live with instrumentation and be on point and be able to give the elements that they've always heard their parents and grandparents talk about, but at the same time, make it relevant to today, you don't get a better, you don't get a better response than that, you know? So yeah, the singles are doing well. We're getting a lot of, you know, feedback and press. The bigger, bigger ones haven't really caught on quite yet, right? but I think they will. I, I think a lot of folks like you are saying you all are missing out on what's really happening. And I, and I can't be upset with that. I, that. That makes me happy. So, yeah. And, you know, you've been working with Nate, who actually set this up for us over at Impulse Artists. And you guys are also part of the record machine. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of get hooked up with Nate and the label? Well, I mean, we, we really went out there. We for this album, we knew that we wanted to try to see if we could get some PR for it. And um, as we were going about doing that, you know, you submit to a different one and some say they're interested and other ones say they're not. But then you get to the ones that are interested and you kind of meet with them. Nate, I just felt his energy. Nate understood us. Nate understood that we were not just a hip hop group. You know, we get a lot of people who are like, you all are just hip hop. And I'm like, so did you not listen to the third song on the album where we're clearly doing something that's much more within the line? of jazz you know i think people think because there's an mc in a group that it's just pure hip-hop right yeah there's hip-hop elements and we're going to always stay true to those hip-hop elements but hip-hop music is an amalgam of so many different things it's not just one thing and i felt like with nate and you know shout out to him because he's been doing a tremendous job we're really really impressed with his work um nate i think he gets it he gets music to the point where he sees that even though this is hip hop, it's more than that. So he he pushes it that way. And as far as the record machine, shout out to Alex. Alex is our label rep and whatnot. Alex saw something in us two years ago that people have claimed that they saw, but they just didn't invest. Alex has been vested in this group. I mean, night and day, email after email. He's in Kansas City. We're in St. Louis. So we're on opposite sides of the state, you know, Um trips and everything and whatnot so right now we, we have a lot of people behind us that they get it they see it you know they 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 believe in what we're doing and whatnot and they're working to make this a 
a situation where we're crossing and I mean, we're pushing. I'm not going to say we're going to blow up overnight, but we're definitely getting some people out there outside of our area that's looking at this like, where is this group from? Because we need them out here, you know, so. Yeah, when Nate first sent me What Do You Like?, I instantly was reminded of Bad Rabbits because, you know, they kind of blend a bunch of genres together, too. And it's, you know, a very cool vibe that they bring. So I was extremely excited when Nate sent me this. I was like, I have to hear this whole thing. (laughs) Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. That's what we want in the end. We want you to enjoy what we do, you know, so. Of course. And I think that about covers what I wanted to go over in regards to the album but you know April's coming up we're recording this March 31st so I was interested in what you're kind of anticipating for the rest of the year as far as new music goes and what you're looking forward to well the rest of this year will be the promotion of this album I think the biggest thing now is that we've now accumulated fans all over the country it's financially hard to kind of get to everywhere, but we've been making it work and whatnot. So you're going to see a lot of us out there playing. Like we're going to have our album release show in St. Louis. So any listener that has family in St. Louis or, you know, by any chance may be headed this way. Uh, our show is uh, April the 1st at KDHX. Then the next weekend, we're going to Indianapolis to play with the group called um, Sweater Vest and Native, Native Son and Friends of Ours. Then after that, in early May, we're going up to Kansas City for the middle of the MAP Festival. Um, Right now, we're working on getting into Nashville. We're going to go back down to Texas probably in July. Um, We've been in talks to do New York. I mean, it's now to the point where people are hearing this music and like, please come here. So the biggest thing you'll see from us is um, just getting out on the road. And for anybody listening to this that books venues or has those connections, please. We are a very accessible band. We are very down to earth guys. I'm online all the time because it's part of my job and it's part of my schooling and I'm near the Ilphonic stuff. We respond quickly. We'd love to come to your city if it makes sense and make it work. We're just trying to get out there. Our goal within the next year is, you know, to be back on, you know, with you talking about how we're playing festivals and whatnot now. You yeah. know, that's kind of what we, we do and we think 10 years of doing what we've doing what we've been doing working the way we've been working we're ready where we're at that level where we know the ins and outs we know what we need to do we're not rookies this isn't our first rodeo we're prepped to go to that level so that's what our focus is going to be definitely and as far as what music you listen to goes what are you kind of anticipating coming out the rest of this year. I know we still have a few big albums coming out, maybe a Beyonce album in the works here. So what are you looking forward to? Uh, yeah, I see she's promoting her um, her clothing right now. So you know something's about to happen. <laughs> yeah. her, her marketing team is brilliant. I, I, if I don't care if you don't like Beyonce, the way they move is really, really great. I've heard something. I'm into a lot, little, little bit of soul. Maxwell is supposed to be coming out with some new music. I'm interested to hear that. Who else did I hear might be coming out with some music this year that I was really, really like, yeah, I'm I'm down to. It's kind of what's funny because to be fair, when we're working on our projects, I kind of pull myself out of my listening of other music because I kind of focus on what we're doing. Right. Now that the storm is, you know, kind of overhead and we're, we've prepared for it, I'm now kind of getting back out there feeling um, what's going to possibly be coming out. Um, Frank Ocean is somebody that I've, I've enjoyed some of his music. So it'd be cool to see what he releases because I heard 
that he's going to put some music out. It's somebody I'm missing, though, that I was like, they said they're, they're going to put out new music. And I was like, what? I can't wait. But I can't <laughs> think of it right now. <laughs> totally understandable. I've put a few people on the spot with this question. They were like, uh, what's coming out? I don't know. I don't know. Let me think of things, you know. So it can be a hard question to answer, especially, you know, it's only the end of March right now. It'll be April 14th when everyone hears this. So there's still a lot of the year left. A lot of things haven't been announced yet. So I'm sure we'll have a bunch of stuff coming up. No, I mean, that's true. I mean, yeah, you know, we're in an age of artists just dropping albums overnight. Right. It's to the point now where I'm spending these big budgets on um, <laughs> promotion and whatnot. They drop an album, it's there, and there you go. Uh, yeah, I hope you're ready for it, you know? So, you know, yeah. And then, you know, I, to speak on behalf of my fellow artists, when you're working on your projects and whatnot, you can get so immersed in it. That it's like you come out of the, the cabin with a beard and dust <laughs> yeah. all over your face like light, light, oh, you know, so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, we will definitely have to have you back as things progress with the band and everything. It'd be an honor. I would love to. Awesome. And thank you to all of our listeners for checking this episode out. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day.